Welcome to the Realized Gains Podcast, a guide to real estate investing. Join our co-hosts, Jordan Lee and Stephen Tran, as we interview a diverse group of real estate investors, both amateur and professional. Our goal is to help you understand that anyone can invest in real estate. Tune in to hear creative strategies and learn from both our mistakes and our successes. You can find us where you love to listen to podcasts, on YouTube, or at jordanleemortgage.com. Hey guys, welcome to the Portland Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm here with my co-host Jordan Lee. Hey, how's it going? And I'm Stephen Tran. And for episode nine, who did we interview today? Oh man, we had a fantastic interview with uh, Marissa Signs, a local uh, Portland real estate agent who I've had the pleasure of working with on a couple deals. She does a fantastic job. She's also involved in other local nonprofits, including um, the Women's Council. And uh, you, you know we. And I, and I didn't know this before we talked with her, but we heard, we heard a really interesting story about investing that I hadn't, the idea I hadn't thought of, but basically she built her dream house on for free, um, without any down payment. And, um, it's now cash flowing, uh, by just buying a, on a, a primary residence with 5% down. So if you want to learn how to do that, you're going to have to listen to the story. Yeah, no, it's fun. And she told us all about the different problems that she had to deal with, <laughs> that she had to build around a tree, the, you know, the strict Portland laws around that. She, oh, man. <laughs> she basically took on the hardest project that I can possibly think of in Portland and, you know, made it successful, which is really exciting. Yeah. And then, it, and it's a repeatable process too. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that we, we wanted you to know about Marissa is that she, she has a great Instagram account. You should check it out. Um, we got some good tips on that, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, she's busy. She has a family, but she's able to create a lot of content in a short amount of time, which, you know, she's built a pretty solid following and uh, it's really exciting for me to see and, you know, um, really great for us to learn and, you know, take that on and see if we can implement that ourselves. Yeah, another another mom investor. So just remember that we believe that anyone can invest in real estate. Yep. So really excited for this episode. See you soon. Welcome to the Portland Real Estate Investing Podcast. We're here with our guest today, Marissa Sines, um, and your host, co-host Stephen Tran and Jordan Lee. And as a reminder, our mission, or our goal is to, to remind all of you that anyone can invest in real estate. Um, so just quick introduction here. We're, we're at a listing of Marissa's in North Portland. Really beautiful condo, nice neighborhood. Um, I don't know how recently remodeled it is, but it's everything's built built in 2019. Oh, built in wow. 2019. Yeah. So yeah, everything looks up to date. Mm -hmm. um, Marissa, do you mind just like giving us a quick like how you got to Portland, why why Portland, and um, and how you got into real estate? Yeah, um, I started in like the real estate realm even in high school. I worked for a mortgage broker. Oh wow! Um, as like a school. you're a lifer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was one of those school work programs. Um, really, through, through your high school, they set you up with a well. They gave you or... no. They gave you the option to, you know, to find whatever part time job 
Okay. Um, and this was my boyfriend's aunt, who was a mortgage broker. Okay, so it was just a friend of a friend connection. Uh -huh. awesome. Yep. Where was this? Uh, I grew up in Downers Grove, Illinois. It's about 30 minutes west of Chicago, Okay. if you all know that. <laughs> One of the most popular subdivisions of my college. Oh, really? Uh, I went to Grinnell College, and so oh, yeah, nice. people from Downers Grove were there. Yes, loved it there. Um, then went down to Austin to go to college, uh, University <clears throat> of Texas. And I uh, got a degree in finance there, and it was actually the first year they did a real estate concentration. Oh, okay. So I did that there. I worked all through school for a couple different um, commercial brokerages down mm -hmm. there and um, was working for a national one uh, when my boyfriend and I decided we wanted to just leave Texas and go somewhere new. And uh, I tried to actually get him to go to Chicago. Took him up there in the winter. Oh, God. Got Nick's. Right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, I've been surprise, there. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> you know, I wanted to be fair. <laughs> uh, so we kind of just landed on Portland. Neither of us, when I, when I moved up, I had never been here before at all. Um, and had he been here? He had been here once to interview. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we were young. You know, you do that stuff when you're right. young. I mean, I guess you lived in Austin, so you sort of it's, had... Uh... It's not too different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were going to, you know, similar cities. Right. Um, so came here, started working again for a, more of a commercial management real estate company that actually bought um, bad debt. And then mm. they ended up with a lot of distressed real estate mm. through the downturn in 08. Mm -hmm. And so I was managing a lot of distressed real estate kind of more in the Midwest. Um, and it was... It was sort of killing my soul. <laughs> <laughs> which which side were you? I mean, were you on customer relations side or? Yeah, I was really, um, it was a lot of deciding if we were actually going to fix up a property and lease it, hmm. which the areas that these properties were in, it was really tough to find people that wanted to lease commercial, industrial. Hmm. We had a few like multifamilies. Hmm. Um, but it was a lot of just trying to get people to pay and it wasn't fun. Yeah. <laughs> so I um, started working for a small company called Pearl District Properties and just on the weekends. I thought, I'll never be an agent. I'm not a salesperson. <laughs> and I think within a year, I was like getting my license and going. Wow. So it's been 10 years now. Okay. So this was a, like a local boutique firm. Yes. With was that the one in the Pearl? Yeah. Okay, I think I remember you talking about that. Yeah. So I love this. I love this story. Tell us, because when you first told it to me, I was like shocked. Tell us about your principal broker and his like radius that he would. Radius? I, didn't you say he like never even drove? He just. Oh, yeah. He, like... <laughs> he never left the Pearl. Yeah. Like he only worked in the Pearl, hence Pearl District Properties. Right. <laughs> and really never left. He had a car, but. Yeah. But you didn't need it. Yeah. He had a, uh, a scooter he would ride around on. And then we had this little electric gem car. It's basically like a souped up golf mm. cart mm -hmm. <laughs> that he would also drive people around in. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I love the idea of like having a business where you don't ever have to like leave. You're just so local. Yes. I'm sure he was the market leader for the Pearl then. Yeah, he was the guy. Everyone knew him. Um, he called himself the mayor of the Pearl. <laughs> <laughs> Lived down there in the pinnacle forever. Yeah. And he, it, you know, <laughs> he was fun. And that's not you now? No. <laughs> 
No, when he, uh, he actually passed away. And so I think I told you this as well. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I bought, um, he had built this really great website, pearldistrictproperties.com. Okay. okay. So I bought that from him and then I bought his database from him. Mm -hmm. So I was able to take that over, market to all the Pearl people that he'd done business for over however many years. Um, but I really had a couple of conversations with um, the owner of Dwell Realty and of Living Room Realty about running a brokerage and being an agent. And it just seemed like it probably wasn't what I wanted to do. So I, uh, you know, we closed up shop at Pearl District Properties and I moved over to Living Room Realty. Mm. But um, that database, it's still like paying dividends that yeah. book purchase, I guess. Yeah. And the website, the website, you know, I feel like a lot of real estate websites aren't bringing in a lot of business. This one, the way he built it, it just, people love it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So how often do you get people that you've like, have no relationship with that will call you or message you from the website? Would you say? Quite a bit. Like I would say at least once a month, once a month of a, like a real lead. Like a real lead that yeah. might, that, that might wants close. to buy or sell. Interesting. Yeah. And is it like out of town folks or in town folks? It's kind of 50-50. Like the buyers are usually out of town folks, in town folks, you know, mm -hmm. the sellers. So they're just like Googling like Pearl, like yeah. apartments in the Pearl and you probably have like good SEO that leads them there? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Pearlistrictproperties.com pops up. Um, he built this really cool map of the Pearl that you can just click on mm. every building and it shows everything. So it's just hyper local. Um, mm. And so I'll get a lot of calls of just, well, I know you know the Pearl. So. so it sounds like he was a very like data minded analytical type. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Cool. Uh, so tell us, I mean, we, we follow your Instagram and we love your, your, your <laughs> investing tips. Um, sounds like you have quite a bit of experience in that world. What, what got you started down the path of like investing in real estate for yourself? Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's always been in my life. Um, I just, I think I got really unintentionally lucky with the first house that we bought mm -hmm. here. Um, cause it is, uh, in the Mississippi neighborhood. So pretty close to here and it's a corner lot. Um, when did you buy 2014. Okay. Good yeah. timing. Yeah. Bought that. Is that when Mississippi was like really picking up or? It was picking up. Um, it still wasn't, uh, All that multifamily stuff wasn't built, right? No, none, none of, of that. that was there. You know, there was still like Prost was there and those types of things, but it wasn't, there wasn't none of, there was none of that retail with the four stack at all. Right. No. It wasn't like a walking booth. I mean, kind of, but yeah, but there wasn't, there wasn't all of those apartments yeah. with the ground floor retail. No, there wasn't a ton of people yet. Yeah. Yeah. So bought that. Um, and a few years into it realized, hey, we can split this lot and build a house on the back, you know, in the backyard, basically. Oh, interesting. So when you bought it, you you didn't have that in, in, in your mind at all. You're just like, oh, this is a cool lot. Yeah. We, you know what? It was funny. It was also a really intense point in the market. Um, and so we were just trying to get a house, period. Mm. Um, and this one just happened to have that, you know, extra bonus that we weren't even thinking of when we bought it. Okay. Okay. So, and when you say what makes a corner lot special in our zoning and what, like when you say you can develop on it, what does that mean for the, for the lay person that might have a corner lot or has never thought about those types of things? Yeah. Yeah. So we are zoned R 2.5 there, which means that you can have 
a house on every 2,500 uh, square feet of land on that lot. And then with the corner, it just allows us to, instead of having like a flag lot, basically where you have to walk behind a house to get to the other house, that we could have the entrance to our new house around oh, the corner. Okay, so you could put a driveway on either on street both sides. instead yep. of, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, so it just, just ge the geometry of it uh -huh. is what makes it easier to develop. Yeah, it makes it ideal for truly splitting and leaving the old house. Hmm. So you could have taken down our old house and put two skinnies there right. as well, right. uh, two skinny houses, but. I had a friend that did that and it mm -hmm. was it was tough. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I think anytime you have to take the house down, I mean, obviously that adds more cost, um, but not having to do that, you know, if the house is situated close enough to one side of the lot, it just makes it a lot easier. Okay, and so did, did you then do that? You, you built a house so talk, talk us through the process of that. Um, that's something we haven't really gotten to the show. Like how do you, how do you go about subdividing or is it called partitioning? Yeah. I mean, I guess, I don't know what the legal term is at right. the city, but we are saying we're dividing our lot. Yeah. Um, so we actually went down the route first, which Portland has a lot of these, um, old lot lines. If you look on Portland maps, you can see where some of the old lot lines are kind of in a, a lighter dash. And so we went down the first path of, you know, the city saying, well, maybe we can do a lot confirmation, which is a lot faster mm. <laughs> and a lot cheaper than doing an actual lot division. Uh, so we went down that lane first. Turns out it wasn't possible to do that and have enough room to build okay. the house we wanted to build. Okay. So we had to go through the full lot division. So we hired a company that specializes in land division mm. and working with the city and all the codes and rules and whatnot. Um, and so we had an initial uh, meeting with the city planner. And I think, I can't remember what we paid for this meeting. I want to say it was like $1,500. Okay. But they have every, um, like the sewer guys there, the tree guys there, everyone from the city that's going to have a say on your lot shows up and tells you, okay, you can or can't do this. And if you, if you do do this, you know, you have to dedicate this much to a future sidewalk mm. or you can't take this tree down. Cause basically there's just, yes, you can subdivide your lot, but you have to meet, to be compliant, you have to meet X, Y, Z mm -hmm. thing. So it's not just cut it in half. Yeah. It's not just go for it. Right. Um, yeah, there's a lot of moving pieces. And the nice thing about this initial planning meeting was that Every division had to put their opinion in writing, and then we had that to go forward. It wasn't just a, oh, okay. you know, oh, so it wasn't fifteen hundred bucks for a, a a coffee date. Right, it was something that you could yes. use leverage later. <laughs> yes, that you, that you would need. Okay. Yeah, and one of the biggest things that we learned there, we had uh, two big trees in our backyard, and one was a black walnut, which is apparently an invasive tree, so they're fine with it coming mm. down, but it was huge. Right. Um, and then we had. I forget what the other type of tree is, but it went off of our lot onto the sidewalk this much. Oh gosh. One inch. <laughs> and so the arborist said, that's a city tree. Y'all can't touch it. <laughs> Even though it's 99.9% on your lot. Yes. And we're responsible for right. it. <laughs> and you have to take care of all of it. And if it damages the sidewalk, you have to it's fix our, it. Yes. But it's their property. Got it. Yes. Interesting. What are the options around that? Just build around it? Yeah. So we had our... Um, our uh, land planner there and I think both my husband and I kind of gave a look of like 
oh shoot, we can't take this tree down. Does that like stop us in our tracks? And he looked at us and said, no, we can work around that. Mm. And so really they had to, um, they had to hand dig <laughs> around a lot of the roots in the root protection zone. Um, and then we have, I think eight or nine like steel posts that go down to support the house around the tree. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. Because yeah. the roots will continue to grow. Yeah. Move things yeah. around. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was an interesting start to it. I don't remember where we started. I love, I love how this is your first investment. This is like, <laughs> that's, yeah. I mean, was that like really expensive to kind of do all that work? The lot division was about 10 grand. Okay. That's not um, that's maybe not a little bad. more, maybe like 12, including the, um, the A&E's fees. But then you have a lot. Then we have a lot that's yeah. worth 200 grand. Right. Yeah. Um, we also contacted our lender and told them, hey, we're gonna divide the lot here. You know, what do we need to do to make the new, you know, bare lot free and clear? And so they had us pay off a little bit of our loan so they could feel comfortable that, mm. okay, the house on this smaller lot is worth, you know, whatever our loan value was. Was there a specific percentage? They didn't do like, uh, what's it called, do on clause? I would, this was 2019. Okay. I would really have to go back and look because, <laughs> you know, they appraised it and I'm sure it's all in there. <laughs> the math just has to work out. But, but yeah. basically, long story short, is that you were able to get a lot and then that counts for the lender. From the lender's perspective, that counts as your down payment, right? Yes. That was the most wonderful part of this, that we barely had to bring any cash in because they valued that lot at around 200K and that was our down payment for the construction loan. Which is, I mean, that's crazy to think about, like, because it, you know, it, yes, it's expensive to subdivide in a lot of time and a lot of energy, a lot of work, but then suddenly having a, a 600000 whatever, $700,000 house with no down is, that's the payoff. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really made it possible a lot quicker, I think, for us. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And so the bank, w and, and you built that as a investment property we built it as a primary so our loan was a construction loan oh that... because it was going to be like nicer than your current home so you were going to move into that and then convert your old home into a rental yes exactly what we did okay what year was the original house it's actually 97 oh okay not too bad yeah it looks um it's in that time period you can see a lot of our house around the neighborhood it was an infill uh design back then you know, I never thought about, thought this whole strategy through, but that's like, that's gotta be one of the best ways to build your own, like the dream. I mean, everyone talks about like first time home buyers always want to build their own dream house. Mm -hmm. It's, it's so hard to do Yeah. because if you, otherwise you have to come up with that huge down payment, you have to be, to be in a construction loan that takes like 12 months that you're paying interest on, um, and maybe longer. Uh, but if in your situation, if you have that home and then you can convert it into a rental, that's, that's like perfect. Yeah. It, it worked out really well. And we're coming up on our two year mark, um, in the new house and we're planning on selling. So we were just waiting to avoid capital gains, mm. sell that, roll it into something new. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So this will be your first 1031 exchange then or? Well, since it's our oh, primary. Oh yeah. Since it was your primary. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we don't have to do that. We will probably do that for our old house when we sell it. Oh, okay. You're going to sell your, your, I see. I see what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. We're selling the new build. Yeah, we're selling the new build. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, that's great. And so that the, that's been your primary focus on investing so far, or do you guys do other? Um, well, that's a, an ideal situation, I think, for us. Um, you know, the lot division and build, I think it is kind of a scary thing for a lot of people. And now that we've done it once, it feels like, okay, that's totally doable. Even if we're not able to do it as an owner occupied and we have to do, you know, a hard money loan or something like that. You feel like you could take on a project like that again. Yeah. I feel like we learned our lessons. We'll do it better the next time. <laughs> is, is this the specific strategy you're going to be doing moving forward is doing this lot division thing or? I mean, it's definitely something we're looking for. So earlier. So now you're looking for a primary that has a lot that you can yes. basically do the same thing, right? <laughs> yeah. We were under contract on one um, earlier this year uh, with a, a partner in my office. Mm -hmm. And we, again, same thing, we're going to rehab the house. It was not a corner lot, but it was on an alley. Okay. So it had a, a full lot next door. And uh, as we were mid-transaction before we closed, the seller passed away. And it got stuck in probate. And so we had to get out of there. back out of that one. Okay. But yeah, we were already on the way. <laughs> Well, I was just thinking, uh, with such prime real estate on Mississippi, have you ever thought of just keeping it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, I think if it doesn't sell for what we want it, we might just um, keep it and rent it because right now it's a four-story house. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's tall. Um, I guess because the footprint that you could build on was mitigated by that tree. The tree, <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was small. Um, so four stories, the top three are the main house. Uh -huh. That's where we're living. And then the first floor is, um, we added a separate entrance and put a little kitchenette in. Oh, nice. And we've been airbnb that space um, uh -huh. for, we've been doing 30-day rentals. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so if we... Ended up not selling it and renting it. it. I mean, I think it'd be a great fold. It's got two rental incomes, whether we wanted that's, to keep it short term awesome. or yeah. long term. Uh, is there a reason you went for the 30 day? Is it because you don't need to get the short term rental permit? Yeah, I didn't want to deal with the permit. And then I also didn't want to deal with the turnover. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, you didn't want to go downstairs and clean the house, maybe. Constantly <laughs> or, you know, it's it's a lot of... Uh, even at the 30 days, it's still like, oh, that's a lot of work for me to think about. <laughs> right. Do you, you do it yourself? Uh, no, we actually have a property manager for that. And so she manages the cleaning and restocking and all that stuff. Okay. And I know a lot of people are curious about, I, I get this a lot from my clients, like those midterm rentals. Like yeah. how do you find these people and are you pretty consistent with filling the space up? Yeah. I think that at first we thought, okay, we'll try 30 day minimum. If it doesn't work out, we'll switch to short term. And I think we've had maybe like total a month over the past two years that it hasn't been filled. Wow. Um, yeah, that's what, like 95% occupancy or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, it's great. So uh, the first year it was a couple of um, traveling nurses. Mm -hmm. And so we have it, we have it on Airbnb. Mm -hmm. And then we also have it on Furnished Finder, which I guess is a site that a lot of traveling nurses use. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I've heard of that one. Mm -hmm. Um, and then our property manager, you know, she's got her site and her contacts. Um, so last year it was quite a few traveling nurses. This year it's just really been more people that are like, we can work remotely. We want to check out Portland. We're traveling for a little bit. Um, so it really has been almost month to month this year, whereas last year it was three month chunks. 
That's so interesting to think about how that's changed. Like, I, I would have never thought about doing that when I was growing up. Like, oh, I'm just going to go live in this city for a month and work. Yeah. Like, and just try out living somewhere else. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's perfect timing because it was 2019. COVID happened. Yeah. And yeah. It was like, well, people are just I mean, maybe going the tech, in the tech world, that was more common. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guys, did that. But... I, no. <laughs> I got up and left to Portland like in 2018. I was like, I can work at home. I can work anywhere I want. I was going to go get a van and drive around and... You know, just get Wi-Fi and just, you know, do my coding. So, yeah. you know, it's a thing for uh, a lot of, you know, engineers. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And how does that, like income stream wise, is that, how far does that go in terms of subsidizing your mortgage? Between our old house, which is a long-term rental, which mm -hmm. is right next door, and the Airbnb, um, every month, what are we gaining? Like $1,500? that's crazy it's like you you bought the one home you, you could have put whatever i don't know what you put down but you could have put like five we put five percent down. down yeah there you go <laughs> and then then you built and you put zero down yeah <laughs> like or yeah. ten thousand or whatever it costs to do it and you're cash flowing from it that's like yeah that's awesome yeah yeah so no mortgage we're living for free and making some cash which is great um for these midterm rentals are there any restrictions at all that are different than like a year-long lease uh, I don't believe so. I mean, the big difference is where, you know, it's a furnished space. I think if you're getting into it, like you have to provide more to people. Um, but I don't think there's any other restrictions. Like if you had to legally. remove a tenant because of, um, well, they get paid ahead with Airbnb. Yeah. yeah. So that's the easy part. You're, they, you already have, you're already cash. getting that. That's easy. true. Yeah. yeah. I just meant like if, you know, something came up and yeah, if someone wasn't leaving. Or, yeah. or if like you, you know, you you had to help out a family member or, oh, or something yeah. like that, or you guys had to have been there for financial reasons, you know, X, yeah. Y, Z reasons. It's it's less restrictive than a longer term. Yeah, I mean, especially I think with Airbnb, you know, if we cancel something, we get dinged as a as a host, but I don't think it's I don't think there's anything else outside of that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I always float the idea of midterm rentals to my clients who are looking to Airbnb because Portland's laws are extremely restrictive. I think you have to live there 270 days out of the year. You have to get those permits, etc. Mm -hmm. But I could, I mean, I've never done midterm rentals, so I'm, I can't ever promise you know my clients that they're going to get it filled out. But this yeah. is a really good example to say, hey, you can buy in Portland. You know, you can get you know more than the long term rent if you do this strategy and now i feel a little bit more confident about telling them to <laughs> give it a try you know and yeah. see what happens so no that's awesome so so you have these two properties uh that you're renting out the your original house long term you have the short-term rental uh you said you're gonna s sell these we're gonna sell the new build house okay and we're looking to purchase uh a new primary residence okay hoping that it's something that we can cosmetically fix up and move from that in probably two years. Mm. Um, but in addition to that, this winter, after we find our new primary residence, we're trying to find either a flip or something with an extra lot where we can develop. Okay. Mm. So since we had to back out of the one earlier this year, we kind of put pause for a minute and are planning on the winter trying to find our next project. So even though construction costs are up <laughs> and, and, and the cost of labor and wood's up, you're not, you're not scared of building because you have that you have the relationship. She can build around and, a tree. And you, so <laughs> yeah, you know, like and, I, and you've experienced the rezoning. You kind of know what to do, and that's great. In terms of like relate, because I always thought that when I first converted my home into a 
to a rental, like it was a big shift in me for my career because I was able to like, instead of telling people it might be a good strategy, I was like, well, here's what I did. Right. How do you feel now that you've done that? It's like much easier to to relate to clients that are interested in doing that sort of thing and, and helps you build better rapport. Yeah, I mean, it's so much easier to talk about it when you have personal experience with it. And you're right. So many people say, I can't find what I want. Maybe I'll just build. And it's really nice to be able to say, well, this is what that entails. <laughs> Hold your horses a little bit. It might yeah. be hard. You might have a like a endangered tree on your lot. So, you know. Yeah, there's so many things that the city or the county can come back and say, hey, we want X, Y, or Z. Um, but then the bigger thing is just finding that lot. You know, if right. people want to build, it's hard to find even the land to do it. Yeah, because people that are in the know are, are looking for that. Yes, right? yeah. So as the average consumer, it's not as... We always run into this with appraisals where it's like, because there's a like an extra lot on there, people want to value it for this much, uh -huh. but the appraiser's like, well, for the average person, you know, that's, that's not, what, that's that not what the value is. Yeah. Because right? the average person isn't going to do what you did. Yeah. But right. ultimately, that's our goal is to help people understand that you can do that if you want to. It's, yeah. not, it's not crazy. It's just takes work. Yeah. And I just think in Portland, like there's just a lack of land. I mean, obviously there's new construction going on in Gresham and the outskirts of Beavers and Tigard and Port but in Portland, like I can't find anything. Like people yeah. are in this neighborhood specifically, people are just knocking down old houses and just building. I mean, it's a little, it's a little strange to me, but it's like these super modern houses next to a hundred year old house. Yep. <laughs> well, and that's the difference with the urban growth boundary, right? Mm -hmm. So if you look at cities that don't have that, it's, it doesn't, it's different because you can just keep going. Whereas here, you're forced to be in certain areas. Yeah. Yeah. To get tighter and go up. So talk to us a little bit, um, switching gears here. We, we love your Instagram page. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I, I met Marissa at uh, the Women's Council Gala and they pointed me to you because they were like, oh, she's the social media person. You need to go meet her. So. <laughs> yeah. Because Steven is, uh, does the social media for the Asian Real Estate Association. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I had been seeing your, your reels back when I was like, trying to learn how to do reels and we're still learning how to do well, reels. Well, we're still learning how to new to learn on that. <laughs> uh, but what, what, what got you into that and, and how has that been for, for your, like building your business and, and your knowledge? Yeah. Um, I think I just started doing it as a way to, I think it's probably the same, um, thing that you guys are trying to do to tell people that this shouldn't be something scary. You know, you can do it this is how you do it. And a lot of that started from when we were building the house. I was um, mm. blogging about like oh, every step. So you had more visuals and stuff too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People say, you know, this is exactly what we're doing right now. And you know, this is the issue we've run into. Um, so then putting it on Instagram, you know, it's just been nice to get people then reaching out and asking questions mm. and being interested. And it's so funny what really, a lot of the things that people uh, ask about is the financing piece mm. like that is that it feels like that's the mystery um, and so I try to talk a lot about that to make it you know real uh, so that people can understand that there's options for them um, and I actually just had a website built that is kind of be has the same vision it's called building moss and the idea is to to teach people that you can do this and it's how you build generational wealth. Mm. Yeah, that's actually really interesting because most people don't understand that you can <clears throat> use land 
as your down payment. And I actually have some friends right now that cut their parents have a huge lot. And so they're cutting off a piece of that mm -hmm. and, and, and building on it. They're first time home buyers, but it's, um, for them, it actually made sense because they could live with their parents yeah. in a wallet while it was going on. Um, I mean, I, I think they're a little bit overdue, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but from that perspective, right, if you can get a lot that you can develop or like when you're looking at properties, it's, it's, I mean, I did it with my last, when I bought my last home, it's such an easy phone call to make. You call the city and you're like, Hey, you know, let me talk to the planning department or whatever. And, and they're usually really good about it. Like you can just ask them like, Oh, Hey, what can I build here? Yeah. What could I do? And they're like, Oh, you can split off a couple. You could build an ADU or, or, you know, and sometimes it's more intricate than that. But, um, I think you make a really great point about that, that the financing piece is mysterious and being able to use that land as down payment is something people don't think about. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I did notice on your Instagram, you have a pretty healthy following. Do you have like any strategies that you kind of go about building that? And do you have like a schedule or how does that go about? Because I know that, I mean, you know, we all have our own businesses and we're all trying to, you know, be consistent. Like, how do you stay consistent in terms of doing that? Yeah. I mean, it's really planning. So, you know, I don't love to be in front of the camera. So I try to like do those all at once and then just have them ready to go. Oh, okay. To so post. you film like you take one day and film like 10 of them. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's way better than thinking about it constantly. <laughs> you have like a, like a content calendar or a content list of things you want to talk about and you just kind of, yeah. Like I try to think about every month. What am I doing? What's going on? What can I share? You know, closings, listings, things like that. And try to like map it out so that it's something that's just part of your work day mm. instead of, you know, something that you're doing at 10 p.m. in bed. Right, right. Okay, that makes sense. Um, do you use some sort of like program to help talk with what you're talking, like a, a script reader or something like teleprompter. that? Teleprompter. Uh, yeah, teleprompter. That's the word I'm looking for. Oh, no. <laughs> you just you just do it. Yeah, because it looks like you're very composed. And I feel like there's, when I look at your reels, that there's a nice theme throughout too. It's They all, they all look the same. So that's nice as well. Yeah, I'm just trying to talk like I'm talking to a person face to face. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, like I said, like you're the person that they, they told me to go to. And like I said, I, I do follow your content. I watch your reels. And I'm like, man, I need to be consistent with writing this type of content too. So, you know, I know we're trying to be consistent. And that's why we do our Wednesday podcasts every week. Right. Right. Yeah, you guys are doing great. <laughs> Thank you. No, it's, no. Uh, do you do anything to, in terms of, in, in terms of social media to kind of measure like how it's, uh, basically helping build your business? Uh, I mean, not really besides just knowing, you know, if a lead comes from there, you know, at the end of the year, looking mm -hmm. at where leads are coming from. Um, and do you get like leads from outside of your sphere from Instagram or is it more like, you know, people that are repeat clients or friends of friends or how, how does that work? It's more like within my sphere. It's nice when I have a client that says something like, Oh, well, I saw you said this, so I'm thinking about this now. Mm. I mean, in particular, the gentleman that's selling this place, you know, after um, I think him watching some reels and watching the build of our house, he's now looking for something where he can have that separate ADU mm. or, you know, mother-in-law suite to get rental income. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the education piece is super important, right? You're providing value. Yep. Um, did you have more questions about... 
social media? Oh, I, I have a million questions yeah. about social media. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't, no, no, no. I was no, going to ask that... her about it at a totally random time. Oh, go, go for it. Go for it. Uh, well, so as we discussed briefly, we met at a women's council event. I know you were super involved with the leadership. Uh, you were president for a couple years or Yeah, you? for two years, um, 2017 and 2018. Yeah, yeah. And so that, you know, community service and nonprofit you know, work is obviously really important to us. Um, and, and you as well. Can you can you help us understand how that's like helped you professionally, and um, you know, just in terms of your career, but also um, like your network? Yeah, I got involved with Women's Council of Realtors. I think almost probably within the first year that I had my license. Mm. And like I said, we were new here too, so I didn't know very many people. Um, and I was a lot more introverted and shy back then. I mean, not that I'm some crazy extrovert <laughs> by any means, but it doesn't like freak me out to do something like this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it forces you to do public speaking. Yes. And that was one of the big pieces, um, of women's council of realtors is just, you know, networking, meeting new people, going to the conferences and, and learning, but also, you know, getting to meet people from all around the country. And then when I was president, you know, having to run a meeting, having to, negotiate with everyone on the different things that they want um, and then just public speaking. And mm -hmm. so it, it just built my confidence, which I think bleeds over into everything else um, that you're doing in business and life. Well, that's great. And do you, do you sometimes get referrals from those connections that you've made from other states at the, at the conferences? Yeah, referrals from that. And then when I was president, it seemed like People from other states, women's council members from other states were looking at the roster and um, I would get a lot of those emails first just right. from like being listed as the yep. president. So, you know, just really um, blank leads, which was great. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Um, moving forward, what is your like kind of long term goal with real estate investment being in, in the industry? What what is your like? five, seven year, 10 year type plan. Um, you see yourself staying in Portland and, and, and I guess financially, what do you see? How do you see the real estate piece fitting into your overall, um, portfolio? Yeah. Um, five to seven years, ideally I would like to be doing more development than selling. Mm. Um, with my husband and so, so sorry, you're, is he uh, does he is he in construction or? So he was a like construction finance manager for um, a couple of big commercial firms. Oh wow! Around the country um, and with the Department of Defense years ago, mm. and so he is really good at um, estimating and numbers. Yeah, I'm sure compliance, mm -hmm. like he understands that if he worked for Department of Defense, he understands compliance and yes. and uh and yeah, figuring out all those numbers. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, and he's uh you know, he's great at um interacting with a lot of the construction guys and the tradesmen mm -hmm. and, you know, being able to have um he can do the managerial part. Yeah, like he would be on site saying, yeah. you know, that's not where that goes. <laughs> so you guys, which is too much. Which is super important. It's great. Yes. Yeah. So you guys are like the real estate super couple or power couple. Then. <laughs> we're trying. We're trying to get there. That's that's sort of the plan, um, to to be there in I would say five to seven years. And and what is when you say development such a broad term and yeah. which we say in the industry a lot. Does that mean that you're going to build like custom? homes or does that mean you're going to build subdivisions or 
you renovate. Know, I think renovate would be at the lower end of the list, open to that. Uh -huh. But building homes, not necessarily custom homes, but homes, um, and maybe some small multifamily mm. is kind of where I see us going. Mm-hmm. And, and and do you think you'll be doing that for for resale or just to like build a big rental portfolio with partners? I think it'll be a mix. A mix. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. The one that we were working on, um, we were planning to sell one and hold the other. Mm. So I think it just depends what makes financial sense at right. that moment. Right. <laughs> no, that's super exciting. That's like a, like, I, I mean, I don't really know much about like building like multiple lots. So, uh. You know, I'm really excited yeah. to see your journey. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. We'll see. We'll, I'm sure we'll have lots of things to talk about. <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah, next time we have we'll you on, on episode 120. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and if you had to like give, you know, a, a, a specific investment advice or real estate investment advice to somebody that's wants to get started in investing in real estate, what would you say is the easiest or like lowest barrier of, ent of entry? Um, if, if you were talking to somebody, a first-time home buyer um, that's, that's kind of interested in house hacking or... Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, just take that first step to, number one, talk to a realtor about different ideas and then talk to a lender that's versed in, you know, creative hmm. ideas and options because um, it just makes... It makes a path that might seem really difficult maybe a whole lot easier. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think having those conversations and probably, you know, if you're a first time investor or home buyer, I mean, the primary residence that you can fix up yourself or build on is ideal. Love it. Uh, and like, where, where can we find you? How do, how do we, yeah, what, what is your TikTok? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's your snap? What's your snap? That's the next step. You know, if people, yeah. people want to follow your content, it sounds like you have a website. Where, where do, where's the best way to, easiest way to find you? Yeah. So on Instagram, it's just at Marissa signs. Mm. Yeah, um, probably spell that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Marissa, one R, two S's, uh, signs is spelled S A I N Z. Mm. And then my website is building moss dot com mm. um and that just went live okay, awesome excited to check it out well thank you so much again we really appreciate your time and good luck on your journey thanks for tuning in to the realized gains podcast if you have any questions for our co-hosts or guests don't hesitate to reach out you can find us on instagram facebook YouTube or at jordanleemortgage.com.